I have such a, uh, an appreciation, a sense of gratitude for the people who work in our, our children's ministry. Um, you know, for one thing, when you change a life at that age, you, you, you play that out exponentially, and you've made a tremendous difference in a person's life and, in, and for the kingdom of God. The other thing is that it's a whole lot easier, I think, to minister here than it is to minister there. Uh, you know, we go ten minutes over, and it's kind of like, oh, we're just enjoying being with Jesus. They go ten minutes over, and there's kids pulling their hair and whatnot. And um, I just really appreciate Mary and Faith and all those who volunteer there. And if that's something God lays on your heart, I, I encourage you to become a part of that ministry. Um, it's an important ministry, and without it, uh, we wouldn't be what we are. So thank God for, for them. We're continuing. Amen. Can I give my thanks, Mary? Actually, I'm just getting brownie points for all the time I go over him. <laughs> and be praying that I've had this cough all week long, and it just doesn't sound attractive when you have productive coughs into a, a microphone two inches below your neck. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but if I do, just choose to make it not an issue. That's the real world, folks. We're dealing with the real world here. Book of Ephesians, we're continuing our study on, on the gifts of the Spirit. I'm, what am I talking about? I did a retreat on the gifts of the Spirit this weekend. Uh, on the armor of God and spiritual warfare. Returning to it after we took a two-week caveat, one week to preach on Easter and the other week to just never get around to preaching it. So this is in Ephesians chapter 6. <clears throat> and we'll... Start with verse uh, 14. It's in your bulletin. If you don't have your Bibles with you, that's fine. Paul here is saying that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and dominions and authorities in dark places. Because of that, he says, we got to put on the whole armor of God. You've got to get dressed. You've got to get dressed in the morning if you're going to do battle. Put on the whole armor of God, he says. And then he starts to tell us what that armor is. We've already seen two articles of clothing that we need to be wearing. Put on the full armor of God. <clears throat> That when the day of evil comes, when you're under attack, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness firmly in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Or another way of translating that is to say, fitted with the gospel of peace which prepares you, which makes you ready. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then pray. Let's pray. <coughs> Lord, I pray, God, that you make this Word come alive right now. The kingdom goes forward, Lord, not by my strength of voice or the status of my flesh that goes forward, Lord God, when you anoint it and you create it. You make it powerful. You, you, you give it fire, Lord, and you write it into our ears. And so, Lord, I pray that you anoint this word going out here, Lord God. Um, when I am weak, then you are strong. So, Lord, be strong here right now. Hallelujah. And God, I pray that this would be used as a way to minister to people. Lord, you've got some people here you really want to set free this morning. You really want to set them free. And so, Lord God, just do it. Just continue the work that you started in the worship time and set your people free here, Lord God. You, you have not given to us a spirit of fear, 
but of power and of love and a sound mind. Praise God. And Lord God, there are some here this morning that need to be set free from fear and from worry and from anxiety. Lord God, let your word go forth and do what I could never do, what no human being could ever do, and that is to set people free. Set them free, Lord God. Deliver the captives. Turn your people on, Lord God, to do spiritual battle. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Before I even begin, I wanted to share this. Um, God has been doing some incredible things. I just, I just got to brag on God for a second here. I, I just am I'm constantly, constantly overwhelmed with, with just seeing what God's doing in terms of changing people's lives, in terms of saving people, uh, and healing people, and delivering people. It is just, it's, it's sometimes it's like, I can't take it. Um, it's just too cool. And just, I, I know of, first service I said I knew of three people. Now I can say after, this, after last service, I know of five people who came to the Lord last week. Uh, just on the Easter service. And I don't know how many people, other people came to the Lord and I just don't know about it. But, but uh, for every one of those, the Bible says that every angel in heaven rejoices. And they're giving each other high fives. They're, they're, they're parting it down still. And just thank the Lord for that. Amen. I just love that. That's the bottom line there, folks. Uh, God is doing great stuff. Another person accepted the Lord here this morning after the first service. And, and it's just, that makes an eternal difference, you guys. That is, that's the bottom line right there. That is just, that's just too beautiful. I know three people this week who are, who are delivered from demonic oppression. That's the stuff we've been talking about, just spiritual warfare. That is so cool. God, just keep on doing that. Just, you know, we're just, we're just going to keep our hands off of this thing. The worst thing we could ever do is to try to grab it and define it and control it and legislate it or whatever. We're just going to say, God, just, just do what you want to do. Your agenda, not our agenda. And, and we're just riding a, 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 a crest here. And I just encourage you to just be listening to the Lord as to how you want to be plugged in. Um, if you're visiting here this morning, let me just tell you, you've got an opportunity here to, to, to be part of a movement that God's doing that is really, really, really exciting. And be listening to the voice of God as to how you, a minister of God, if you're a believer here this morning, you're a minister, as to how He wants you to minister in your workplace, whatever, whether we know about it or not, it doesn't matter. But be listening to God. Be praying for the, for the church, for the movement, for the things that God is doing. Because I really believe that if, if, if we just get enough prayer going here, we haven't even begun to see, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. I mean, praise God for five people coming to the Lord. Next year, let's have 500 hats. Be greedy for the Lord. Okay, we're talking about these articles of clothing. We're talking about spiritual warfare. I've got a terrible habit of, of, of giving long introductions and never getting around to the sermon. So I'm going to start preaching right now. We're talking about the articles of clothing. We talked about the breastplate. We talked about the belt. The, breast, the, the breastplate of righteousness. And the, breast, and, the, and the belt of truth. This morning we're going to talk about the shoes that we're supposed to wear. You've got to wear a certain kind of shoe if you're going to go into battle. If you're going to be the kind of warrior that God wants you to be, if you're going to be living in the biblical promises about being more than a conqueror and, and having this joy and this power and this peace, if you want that kind of stuff, there's a certain kind of shoes you've got to put on every morning. And Paul says it's the shoes of the gospel of peace, which makes you ready. The shoes of the gospel, euangelion, the word literally means the good news of peace. Wrap up your feet with good news every morning. And the good news is that you've got peace. With regard to every one of these articles of clothing, we've asked this question. What is it about 
that article of clothing that makes it appropriate for Paul to describe it the way he does. For example, what is it about a belt that makes Paul say that, that, that the belt we're supposed to put on is truth? And what is it about the breastplate that makes it a breastplate of righteousness? And what we've seen is that there's a reason behind why Paul describes every particular article of clothing with a particular feature of our warfare. The breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness, knowing that we have a righteousness in God, is what protects our vital organs. It's what deflects the enemy's arrows of accusation that are shot at our heart. You've got to dress yourself with righteousness, the righteousness of God. The belt of truth we've seen is, is this. The belt is what holds the whole thing together, and the belt is what, what you hang the sword of the Lord, the Bible, the Word of God on. And that belt, Paul is saying, has got to be a belt of truth. It's got to be a belt of a commitment to be real, real with your life, real with God, real with each other. None of this religious, phony, religiosity stuff. Get real with things. You hang the Word of God on any pretense, and it's going to get all screwy. Now the question I want to ask is this. What is it about peace, the good news of peace, that makes it appropriate to call it a shoe? Isn't that kind of weird? Why are we supposed to walk on peace? Believe what, well, to understand that, maybe what we first need to do is to talk about the role that shoes had for military people in the ancient world. Paul, Paul's got in mind here a soldier, and he's drawing spiritual analogies to the way soldiers dress. In the ancient world, the footwear of a soldier was extremely important. Extremely important. Wherever they went as an army, you had to walk there. Sometimes you see these Hollywood movies where everyone's riding on a horse. That is not accurate. Horses were very, very expensive back then. The captains rode on horses, for sure, but everyone else walked. And sometimes you had to travel hundreds and hundreds, even thousands of miles to do battle with an army. Most of the battles occurred out in the uh, extremity of the Roman Empire. So you had to march your soldiers all the way out there. But the road conditions aren't very good. They didn't have pavement like they have today. Nice, smooth cement. They didn't have that. They had gravel. And if you're going to walk a long way on gravel, you've got to have good shoes. If you don't have good shoes, your feet are going to get so wasted. You're never going to make it to the battle. If you do, you're going to be going very, very slow. And chances are you're going to step on a sharp rock and cut your foot open or something or other. Just try to picture this, this army, all this arsenal. They, they're carrying their backpack because they've got to carry their food with them as they're marching. So they're loaded down with all this baggage. They've got their breastplate of righteousness. They've got all this other kind of stuff, all this, this artillery, and they're barefoot. And they're walking in the battle going like this. Ow, ooh, ee, da, ah, ooh, da. It just wouldn't happen. This footwear was very, very important. Not only that, but one of the strategies of, 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 of uh, the enemies of the Roman Empire was to do this. You'd, you'd uh, kind of let the enemy know where you were so that they'd come after you, chasing you. And they didn't have mines back in those days like we have today, these clever little things that you put in the ground and someone steps on them and they blow them up. That's pretty really neat. But back then they didn't have that. But they did have tax. And so what they'd do is they, they, they'd run away and, and the, the enemy would think, oh, look at that, we got them on the retreat, let's charge. And then they'd, 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 they'd booby-trap the thing with these little nails sticking up out of the ground. These soldiers would come running, and if they didn't have the appropriate footwear, they'd step on those things. Now, stepping on a nail won't kill you, but it hurts like the dickens. And, and, and if you can't go into battle and fight very good if you're going like this, bleeding all over the place. It just doesn't work. Footwear is very important. So the Romans developed some really clever ways of, of developing thick shoes so that even when you stepped on one of these tacks, it didn't hurt. Thick shoes that allowed you to travel places, rawhide sort of stuff. In fact, some of their shoes... The ones who, uh, for the foot soldier, 
would be the first ones in the battle, they would put cleats on these shoes. So that if it was raining and if it was muddy or whatever, when they go into battle and they start wielding the sword, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be slipping all over the place. Your shoe needed to be sturdy and it needed to keep traction. So the shoe protected your feet. It allowed you to travel. And when you were in battle, it allowed you to stand firm and not be moved. What Paul is saying here, in a nutshell then, is this. If in a spiritual way you want to go places, you want to travel places, you want to have protection, you've got to be walking on peace. And if when you're under attack, you want to stand your ground, you've got to be standing on peace. You've got to be standing firmly on the gospel of peace, the good news of peace. The thing that will allow you to go where you need to go spiritually. And the thing that will allow you to grow the way you need to grow spiritually. The thing that will allow you to make advance against the enemy. And the thing that will allow you to hold your ground when you're under attack from the enemy is the peace of God. Another way to put it is this. If you don't have the peace of God, if what you rather have is anxiety, disquietude, fear in your life, worry in your life, if that is what is present there, and if you're walking on worry and walking on fear, you're not going to go very far in the spiritual realm. You're not going to advance very far in doing warfare against the enemy. And when you're under attack, what little ground you have gained, you're going to lose because it's going to push you back. There's something about fear and anxiety and worry that incapacitates the warrior of God. When you're gripped by fear, when you're preoccupied with worry, you're distracted. You, you ever try to, to really worship when your mind is just bogged down with worry? You, you, you know, you, you focus a little bit, but bam, you're back in the worry. You try to praise God a little bit, but bam, you're back in the worry. Some of you have been there this morning, maybe. Or when there's fear in your life, it causes spiritual paralysis. It causes spiritual crippling. You're very, very vulnerable when you're prone to worry. You're walking on eggshells. You're going into battle like this. Ah, ooh, ah, ee, that hurt. Oh, man, ooh, ooh. You feel every little thing. And when you're under attack, you get pushed back. You've got nothing to stand on. There's nothing sturdy in your life because the fear is there choking you. Fear and anxiety and obsessive worrying chokes. It, 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 it chokes the victory of God. There's no way you can be more than, a, more than a conqueror like the Bible says the believer should be if you're walking in fear. There's no way you can make great advances against the enemy if you're walking in fear. Amen? There's no way that the, the, the worry and the anxiety and the fear chokes the joy of God. It chokes the flow of the Spirit of God in your life. It chokes the power of God in your life. It chokes the, the, the things that God wants to do in your life. It just causes the paralysis that you can't move and you can't be stable. So Paul says... The, Shoes you got to wear when you're going into battle is the peace of God. The peace of God. He said to me, well, how do you do that? I mean, one, two, three, be peaceful. And Jesus said, Jesus said, don't take, take no thought for tomorrow. Tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Don't worry. Be happy. There are days when I say to myself, yeah, but Jesus, you never had to raise teenagers. 
<laughs> or did he ever have a did he ever ever have a business that went belly up? Huh? He never had a marriage that soured on him, I bet, did he? So it's easy for you, the son of God, to say, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. But I got a family to feed and a marriage to maintain and kids to take care of. My health is going down the drain. So how do you get this kind of peace? Four steps to attaining peace in the spiritual realm. Ain't no such gimmicks, folks. Ain't no such gimmick. Turn to John chapter 14. <laughs> See if you've got your Bibles with you. If not, trust what I say. I'm reading it accurately. Jesus says to His disciples, John 14, starting with verse 28. Now, Jesus is about ready to get killed. The disciples are about ready to get freaked out. Eventually, they're all going to get martyred. So Jesus says this to them, Don't worry, be happy. You heard me... Wait, wait, no, it's verse 27. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Hallelujah. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. The world gives, all right, but I'm not giving to you the way the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Think about this for a second, folks. This is very important stuff. This is freeing stuff. Because fear, anxiety, worry can be a bondage. Jesus says, I'm giving you some peace, but I'm not giving it to you as the world gives peace. The world can give a peace. This is the kind of peace that comes in the world. It's a worldly peace. Nothing wrong with it, by the way. It's just worldly. This is the peace that comes from having things go well. This is the peace that comes literally from the world. When the world is going good, you got peace. That's the peace that the world gives. The family is going real well, you got peace. Things are going good with the kids, you got peace. Finances are doing pretty well, you got peace. Marriage is pretty solid, you got peace. Happy with the church, you got peace. Friends are doing okay, you got peace. The kind of peace the world gives is like this. Finances stop going well, you don't have that peace anymore. The family starts falling apart, you don't have the peace anymore. Kids start acting up, you got no peace anymore. The world giveth and the world taketh away just as fast. Your business goes belly up, your health goes on the rock. The relationship you invested so much in goes crazy. And the peace isn't there. The peace that the world gives is the peace of happy circumstances. Things go well, you got peace. This is the only kind of peace most people in the world ever know. In fact, unfortunately, it's the only kind of peace many Christians ever know. It's the peace of happy circumstances. And it's sad because, because when things go wrong, so many believers pray that things will go right. When It's okay to pray that, but an even more fundamental prayer is that you can pray that even when things go wrong, you can be okay with it. Come on now. All right. There's a peace that the world gives, a peace of happy, happy circumstances. But that kind of peace is a shallow kind of peace. It's a transitory kind of peace. It's a narrow kind of a peace. It's narrow because you have to be, you know, as long as you just look at the happy things in your life, you got peace. But do not think about Bosnia. Do not think about some of the things that go on in South Minneapolis or maybe what's going on in your own neighborhood. 
Just keep your narrow little focus and don't worry about the world. But if you start caring about other people, you start caring about them, well then even if things are going hunky-dory for you, you no longer have a peace because things that you care about are screwed up. The world's a screwed up place with a lot of pain, a lot of things going wrong, a lot of evil in the world. And if you care about people in the world, you're not going to have a worldly kind of peace. It just isn't possible. But if you just kind of create your own little oasis and define you know, you're only concerned about your own little stuff, well, then you can have a, a kind of a peace. It's also a temporary kind of peace because it may be going well today, but it may not be going well tomorrow. And you know how fast these things can change. One day you're walking near the epitome of health, the next day you got colon cancer. That's how it goes. Like the song says, isn't it ironic? You ever listen to that song? It's like having 10,000 spoons when all you need was a knife. Meeting the man of your dreams and then meeting his beautiful, beautiful wife. Isn't it ironic? Hey, sometimes life really is the pits. It's going well one moment. Next moment, it's going to die. So the only way you can really have peace is by defining it very narrowly and not thinking about the future. It's not thinking about the future and things might just go belly up. Jesus says, I'm giving you some peace, but I'm not giving you that kind of a peace. No, that kind of peace is, is, is not of, of a whole lot of value. Because you know what? Even if things go very, very well for you, and you're happy, happy, happy because circumstances are well, it's just a matter of time, folks, before you end up six feet below the ground. Think about that for a little bit. How much peace do you have now? Hmm? In this world, you ultimately, by worldly standards, are going to be a loser. Jesus says, I give you a different kind of a peace. The peace that Jesus gives. And there's no four-step way of getting this. you just got to receive it. you just got to know that it's possible. you just got to turn your mind towards it. The peace that the Lord gives, the Bible says, is a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace. You know why it passes all understanding? It's because when the natural mind is saying, I should be freaking out right now, there's a peace there instead. The understanding says, you ought to really be having a nervous breakdown by now, but there's a peace that passes understanding. It's a peace that doesn't depend on circumstances. In fact, the Lord says this, I give you my peace. My peace I give to you. Who is Jesus? Well, He's fully man. He's also fully God. And He's saying, My divine peace I give to you. One of the things I've noticed about God in the Bible is that He doesn't worry. He doesn't worry. He does grieve sometimes. He strives. He cares. He's involved. He cries. He weeps sometimes. But He does not worry. And even when there are things that aren't going his way, like, for example, when someone goes to hell, he doesn't like that. Things do go against God's will in this fallen world. But even when that's happening, nowhere in the Bible do you find God biting his nails like, ah, that was I going to do. I didn't think about that. He never freaks out like that. In the core of his being, there's peace. In fact, even though there are particular battles that don't go the way he'd like it to go, you find that God is full of self-confidence, even in battle, full of joy, even while he's caring, there's a center of quietude, a center of confidence, a center of joy in his life, and someone's beeper's going off right now. I rebuke the beeper. Right, someone's beeper says, he should end right now. So I doubly rebuke the beeper. But if that's a pacemaker, I pray for it. (laughs) Here I am rebuking him. Hey, don't worry, be happy. Worst case scenario, you die, you go to heaven. What's so bad? But I just canceled my life insurance. 
Come on, Greg, focus! This is the problem with having an ADHD preacher. I mean, you, you, you never know. You never know. Someone got some spare ribbon? Man, I need some right now. <clears throat> okay. Where was I? I was talking about the peace of Jesus. That's right. There was a peace that comes as sunken. Okay, here. He's going to his peace. And God is peaceful. Whatever else you can say about God is that he's the center of fullness, of absolute. God's happy with himself. He really is. And, and he's not worried about how this thing's going to turn out. He's, he's in control here, folks. And the Bible says he's got so much confidence about it, he laughs at his enemies. He mocks his enemies. I mean, this is a God who's, who's got it together. And he says, here, have my togetherness. You don't have any togetherness? That's fine. i got plenty to spare. Have some of mine. In fact, what Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 14 is the Holy Spirit. And, the Bible, and he says that he will not leave us comfortless, He's not going to leave us in a state of disquietude, in a state of anxiety, in a state of trepidation. He will come to us. He Himself, the Holy Spirit, God Almighty. God Himself comes to us, and God is our peace. And the thing you've got to know about that is, is this. The peace of God depends on one thing and one thing only. And this is why it passes all understanding. The peace of God depends only on God being God. So circumstances can really be going down the drain and in the natural, you're saying, I ought to be freaking out, I ought to be having a nervous breakdown, I ought to be going crazy, I ought to be going loony by now, but God is still God, so I guess not. Because there's a center of peace that is there. A center of tranquility is that is there. Now, two things to be said about that. Number one, this isn't a peace that comes from detachment. God isn't detached from the world. He's just peaceful about the world, even when it's all screwed up. So also, the peace that is that passes all understanding isn't the peace of not caring. Sometimes we do that trip, you know. It's like, I'm just too freaked out about this, so it's easy for me just to sever it. So you amputate the spouse, or you amputate the kid, or you amputate the friend, and you quit caring about it. And that you get a sense of peace. It's like, ah, I sure glad it's out of my life. Then we praise God for the peace. You know, sometimes God does amputate people out of our life. Okay, and that can be, in times of radical surgery, that can be a God thing. God says, you know what, I want you to move on right now. And for at least the time being, I release you of that person. But that's different than this, this self-protective detachment that we sometimes uh, have. The peace of God isn't the peace of detachment because God isn't detached. The peace of God is there, and this is why it passes understanding. I can't even put words to it, but it's there even when you care. You care. You love. You maybe even grieve. You hope that things go better. You hate to see happening what's happening there. But your whole being doesn't freak out over that because you have a self that transcends the circumstances. Are you following what I'm saying? There's a, there's a center of peace out of which you can confront the storm. In fact, having the peace of God, far from getting you to withdraw into some ethereal plane where you no longer care about what's happening in the world, far from that, this peace will lead you to be more activated in the world, more invested in the world, more invested in your husband, more invested in your wife, more concerned with your kids, because now you have something to bring to the situation. If you're freaking out totally about the situation that, that your kids are in, for example, or that relationship that's going crazy, or the spouse, or the job, or the money, or the health, what have you, if you're freaking out completely to the core of your being, you're, you're in a state of paralysis, you're not going to be very effective at dealing with that situation. You have nothing to offer. 
The situation defines you instead of you defining the situation. But if, even while you love, even while you care, even while you're concerned, there's a center of unconditional stillness, a center of peace, something that comes supernaturally from God Almighty, God's Holy Spirit, God's own peace, if that is there in the midst of the storm, now you've got a reservoir to help deal with the storm. Now you've got some life to bring to the situation. You've got enough God-given distance to look objectively at the situation. You, you care all the more, and you can do more about it, precisely because you're not totally freaked out over the whole thing. You spend some time like Jesus so often did. You retreat to the desert, and you get your life. And you say, oh, somehow, some way, God, you're in control, and there's a peace there. I'm your kid, and, and I, don't know, I don't know how this is going to happen, but, but Lord, I have this peace, and now I'm going to return back to battle. This is why Paul says, if you're going to go forward into battle, battles, wars, are by definition not peaceful. <laughs> and if we're called to be warriors, we're called to enter into areas, whether it's our own family or job, or whether it's other people's or whatever, we are called to storm the gates of hell. That can't put you at ease, folks. We're called to be stirring up hell. We're called to be looking for trouble. We're called to get involved in people's lives. And that's going to be messy, and it's going to be nerve-wracking, and it's going to have times where in the natural it would freak you out. So Paul says if you're going to go forward in that, you've got to be wearing a certain kind of shoes, and those shoes are God's feet. Walk on the peace of God. Walk with the... You've got to operate... You've got to have a center out of which you operate. And that center is a still, small voice, the peace of God that passes all understanding, the Word of God that says whatever else happens, you've got to know that I'm okay with you and you're okay with me. And, and here, take some of me in you and, and enjoy what I enjoy. Some God confidence. Some God peace that is there. Second thing you've got to know about the peace of God, it's not bought at the price of detachment. But it's not, neither is it bought with some kind of guarantee that things are going to turn out okay. So often we talk about the peace of God, people think we're talking about some clicheous assurance that things are going to be all right. I claim it. It's going to be just fine. I feel peaceful about that. Well, see, God can sometimes give a word of knowledge about how things are going to turn out, and that will will make you peaceful. And thank God for times like that. If God gives you a word about how it's going to turn out, enjoy it. What if he gives you a word that's not going to turn out right? Well, I don't know. But if God gives you a word that it's going to turn out right, enjoy that. That's fine if it's really from God. But that's not the kind of peace I'm talking about. Because, see, that kind of peace is still understandable. On a natural level, if I know that I know that everything's going to turn out just hunky-dory with the areas that I'm worried about in my life, well, then you'd understand why I have peace. That's a peace that is very understandable. The peace that Jesus is talking about is a peace that passes understanding. It's a peace that is there even when you say, you know what? I don't know how this is going to turn out. It looks bad right now. I don't have a lot of hope for this situation right now. I don't feel that God's commissioned me to claim it for him or whatever. Right now, it looks as bad as it looks, and and I don't know how that's going to happen. And I ought to be, I should be just coming to my wit's end and letting the situation define me and freak me out. But there's something about my walk with God that gives me a center of peace such that even though I don't know how it's going to turn out, and even though if the worst-case scenario happens, that could just be the end of my universe, you know, I know that i got a center of peace. I can't explain it. I can't describe it. I can't put words to it. I can't theologize it, but it's there. The peace that, I guess you got to say, it passes understanding. It's not about detachment, and it's not about 
an assurance that things are going to be all right. I wish I could stand up here and say, you know what, if you're a believer, everything always turns out good. But you'd know that I was lying. Sometimes as a believer, I know that whatever happens, God works for the good, but sometimes it turns out manure And when it does, think to high heaven. Make sure you got your shoes on. Make sure you got your shoes on. Oh, hey, I, I didn't plan that. I did not plan that. Now, you can find out whether that was a God-given analogy or not, but when it gets high and deep, you got to have the right kind of boots on. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Lord, for productive thoughts. One, 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 one last thing. And the biggest joke in this church lately has been when I say the word in closing. But I'm saying in, in closing. Worship team, get ready. We're going we're to end with a proclamation. Um, don't come out yet, though, but just be ready. That was my first in clothing. i got four more to go. Jesus says, my peace I give you. But then he adds these very important words. We'll talk about it some other time, but he adds these important words. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Right? You know that they're going to have a lot of, lot of opportunity for their hearts to get troubled. In fact, they got very troubled shortly thereafter. But he says, don't let your hearts get troubled. Now, he says, I give you my peace. That's a done deal. Bam, it's yours. But then he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Apparently, you can have the peace of God and still let your heart be troubled. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll go, duh, I do that all the time. Here's the thing. God gives us the clothing to wear, but we have to put it on. God, God is not going to coerce His peace on you. He's given you the stuff, but we are people. We are free agents. If, if God's not going to dress us. He gives us the clothes, but we've got to put it on. Don't let your heart be troubled. Remind yourself that you got this peace. Turn to the inner center. Turn to the Holy Spirit. Rely on God. Walk on God's shoes in those times. But you remember to put those shoes on. Remember to turn your mind towards the God-given solution and not just get obsessed and freaked out over the problem. I saw a young woman one time at a beach two years ago, um, a really hot day down at Lake Phelan, and we were sitting there, and, and her mother called her, and so she got up to run back to, to her mother, and it was really hot, so the sand was scorching hot. So she picked up her shoes, and for whatever reason, she didn't put them on. So she, she runs to her mother, she's carrying the shoes like this, and she's going, ah, ah, Actually, she was saying different words, but it was, ah, uh, 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 uh. And as she passed me, I said, you know, they work a little better if you're wearing them. We can laugh at ourselves, folks, because that's what we do all the time. That's what we do all the time. Shoes were meant for wearing. God gives us the articles of clothing and we carry them around. And then we're taking the hits and we're going, oh, ooh, ee, ah, ah, we got worry and anxiety, whatever. When all the while, the infinite reservoir of God's peace is right there within us. But the question is, do you put it on? The Lord expects us to do some things, like get dressed in the morning. So He gives it to us. He says, here it is. It's free. It's unconditional. I'm the God of peace. I will crush Satan underneath your feet. But do you got shoes to stand on when I do that? It's not a question of whether you got it or not. It's a question of whether you're going to benefit from it or not. And God's charge to us this morning would be this. Rely on Him. Now, hey, worship team, let's come out here. Rely on Him. Rejoice in Him. Turn your mind towards Him. Let God give you a peace 
Don't carry the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit carry you. Praise God. Be born by the Holy Spirit. Learn to yield to Him. Do not let the situation, the circumstances, the bad marriage, the kids or whatever, be Lord of your life. Whatever defines you is what is Lord. Don't let your situation be Lord of your life. Let the Lord be the Lord of the situation.